Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a fun episode planned with Jordan Christensen and Jason Browning of The Draw. Guys, how you doing? Good. How are you, Jay? Real good. Good. It's great to have you guys. Today we're going to talk about New Mexico. We've got a March 18th deadline uh, staring us in the face here, a little over a week away. And um, like to open it up first. You guys introduce yourself to the podcast listeners. I know you've been on several times, but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the podcast listeners, what you guys do, what you're about, and then let's just dive into New Mexico. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks again for having us, Jay. We always uh, appreciate uh, time. And uh, so what we are, we're, we're an application service uh, based out of southern New Mexico. Um, we, we help people apply in really anywhere that has an application associated with it. But uh, this one's probably the, the podcast we look forward to the most because it's home for us and we get to dive into some of the finer details of, of right here. Um, we, we help guys uh, in a lot of different ways, Jay, with our, with our program. I think it's one of the most unique and maybe more specifically to New Mexico. We, we offer a really unique situation and what that boils down to is uh, if guys want to apply with us, uh, we have two programs, the non-floated and the floated program. The non-floats real straightforward. It just uh, uh, we have a service fee per application, and then all of the state transactions happen directly on the customer's credit card, uh, as well as we have a floated program, which is pretty neat here in New Mexico. So instead of having to tie up, you know, what could end up being uh, real near $8,000 uh, just to have your name in the hat with the upfront money. Um, we do that for our customers for a small fee that ends up being a fraction of the cost of what they would have to tie up normally. And then you put uh, the Kids Apply Free program on top of that, and all of a sudden you're, you're getting you, your family, everybody's involved in one of the more exciting draws uh, there's not many of them out there that you really feel like a winner nowadays with as mature as these point systems are. But if you draw uh, in New Mexico, uh, that is exactly what you did uh, is win. So um, between that and then the last thing where we really set ourselves apart with New Mexico, Jay, is, you know, the guided pool. And we're going to go into that a little bit deeper uh, as we get further into the podcast. But, you know, nowadays a real normal uh, transaction we see here in New Mexico is a guy will call an outfitter. He will have some sort of deposit uh, that allows him to use the outfitter code, and you're you're required to be under contract during the application process. And so, if they're successful, then usually that deposit goes as part of the the hunt. Um, with our program, if you're in with us and, and you're and you're using our our application service. We get you in that guided pool uh, for no additional money, and really it allows us to be a lot more um, uh, fluid with the entire process. That way you're not married to one outfitter or the other as you apply. You're just applying how you ever you would like. You're not married to different units or restricted in any way, and when the time comes that you draw, then, then whether you pick your own outfitter, which is just fine, or we're, we're there to assist in helping you with an outfitter selection, we're with the right outfitter for the tag that's been drawn, not just applying with the one guy uh, that may or may not be the right fit for other types of hunts or species that you want to apply for. So it's, it's a lot more all-encompassing and, and lets guys be a lot more aggressive and not feel that they're restricted in any way regardless of species. And when they draw, they get to go with who they want and who they believe to be the best outfitter. So in other words, just, just to recap that, uh, if, if, if I wanted to apply with you guys and I wanted to be in the outfitter pool, but I wanted to be in the outfitter pool for elk and I wanted to be in the outfitter pool for deer and, and sheep and um, those things, basically I can apply... And then at that point, if, if there was a certain elk outfitter that I wanted to go with and a certain sheep outfitter, uh, then you could uh, turn me in that direction and, and or I could have my own input on who I wanted to choose as a guide, whereas in other situations you have to apply with that outfitter for every species and then you're tied to that outfitter for, for if I drew a sheep and an elk, I would have to go with the same outfitter. 
That's exactly right. So when we submit everyone, we're, we use uh, power of attorney that we have for all of our customers to be under contract with an outfitter uh, during the application process. And then we actually have a document that is a transfer document so that when they, the customer chooses whether, again, whether we're involved or they've got someone on their own, they can, uh, we, we move them from the outfitter that they actually drew with to whoever they would like to go with moving forward. And, uh, you know, that it's a, it's a really slick deal because um, it, it keeps all the cards on the table through the whole process. And especially being a random draw state like it is, you know, it's hard to say, especially depending on your goals, how long you would be with one outfitter or the other applying year over year. Um, and often there's money tied up in it and all those types of things. And using our, our service here at the draw, you can avoid all of that and just move year over year and be as, uh, you know, no restrictions at all on anything um, during that process all the way through. Jordan, um, from a 30,000-foot view, more of a stepping back and looking at uh, how you guys have got to where you're at now with the draw, and I saw you at the Western Hunting Expo. Um, it just seemed like your booth was always just busy with activity, and you were always meeting with people. You, you guys both were meeting with people and um, your whole team. Uh, you were originally with Cabela's Tags program and for a number of years were involved with that uh, big program before that went away, correct? Yeah, that's, that's right, Jay. Um, that's where I cut my teeth. I mean, I've been doing applications really most of my life. I'm only 37 years old, and I, I hit 20 points last year in a, in a couple places. My dad was pretty visionary getting me started uh, quite young in, in different places, but uh, uh, there's no question uh, getting to be on that Cabela's Tags team when it existed uh, really sharpened my axe a lot. It was it was pretty, uh, the volume was amazing to, to be able to, you know, just like anything, repetition uh, really helps in any facet of life. And, and uh, when that team existed, the repetition was just incredible and allowed me to really dive in and, and really start seeing things on a deeper level because you're not one-off situations. You're seeing large groups of people applying. You're, you're seeing if you apply, you know, New Mexico's a great example. If you apply first choice, second choice, third choice in this way or that way, and then looking at the results and seeing what's happening, you really start to get a better feel for, for how those really, you know, finer details and those algorithms work so that you're getting the most out of every application. And, you know, it's still luck-based, but there are things you can do to increase your odds and give yourself a better chance. And it's hard to see those unless you're dealing with that kind of volume. Sure. And, Jason, your background is a professional guide outfitter in New Mexico. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. I've been guiding and outfitting, you know, for 20-plus years here in New Mexico. I'm a little older than Jordan. Um, and that's my background, so I, I contribute a lot on that side as far as the outfitting and the hunting. And Jordan is real strong in the applications, but that's really my strong suit is outfitting sure. and, and that side of it. Sure. Guys, let's dive straight into New Mexico here. I know we've got a March 18th deadline, and um, I just want to give you guys the opportunity to explain to the listeners, maybe first-time appliers, uh, you know, going for a tag in New Mexico. Um, give us an overview of how the New Mexico tag ac application process works from a non-resident resident you know, guided, unguided, um, just kind of go through that general process. Perfect, yeah. So how it works, Jay, is um, it is a random draw. So you've got the same chance as everybody. We, we say it all the time here, equal odds are the best odds nowadays. Um, if you have the same chance as everybody else, um, that's a good one, especially when it comes to some of the stuff like uh, the once-in-a-lifetime species um, not being behind a point curve is really an amazing situation nowadays. So in New Mexico, uh, as you get started, you're going to be required to purchase a hunting license that uh, starting last year became non-refundable. Um, you're actually not allowed to do that starting this year uh, for the following year unless you're doing it 
through the application process. So if you go in to buy a hunting license on a one-off this year and then go back and do your applications, it's not going to work. The, the 2021 option isn't even populating on the computer screen right now. So the only way to do that is through the draw hunt applications and, and you'll get started in there. That's a $74 uh, charge for a hunting license and then the two stamps that are required um, in about 99% of hunting situations in New Mexico. So for how cheap the stamps are, it's always a safe bet to just add those to the hunting license at $74. And then you move to starting your species selection. Um, each species is $13 uh, with an application fee. And the $74 hunting license and stamps and that $13 application fee are non-refundable. So that's the only non-refundable stuff happening in New Mexico. As we move forward, then New Mexico, you, as you select each species, they're going to charge you up front for the cost of each of the permits. So for elk, uh, it could be $535 or $760, depending on which permit you're applying for, $270 for deer or $355. Once you get into the, the uh, the Oryx and the Ibex, that's a $1,600 or $1,610, and the Audad is 353 or excuse me, 360 So um, all of that starts to really add up. What you're, what, how that works is you're going to get an option to put in for five choices in New Mexico. And in the first pass, we call it, they're going to look at the first three choices that you apply for. So all three matter, and they're going to look at them prior to moving to the next applicant. So it's the only state or one of the only states that you could actually apply for three very good hunts, three top shelf type hunts, and actually have a chance at drawing any of those three, just depending on how your name came out of the hat. The fourth choice is often set up for kind of a, a catch-all in most species, meaning that if you just want to hunt, no matter what it is, you don't care the track record, the history, uh, no, nothing really matters. You just want to tag, then they'll let you pick a quadrant of the state to be uh, considered for. And if they get done with the entire draw process and there's a tag left over somewhere, then they'll just issue you one of those leftover tags with that fourth choice. So particularly for non-residents or, or, and definitely guided hunters, um, you know, we definitely would steer clear of that more often than not. Um, that, that, that is going to be 180 degrees away from why you actually were applying in the first place more often than not. Um, the fifth choice, on the other hand, is typically going to be you're, they're asking you whether or not you would be interested in participating in some sort of population reduction hunt. Um, we recommend that guys say yes to that. And the reason for that, in New Mexico, you never know. There's really not a rhyme or reason what is happening with that fifth choice if they choose to activate something there. The only thing that we do know is that you will not be charged for the permit uh, uh, when the draw process is completed. And whatever opportunity they might dream up, uh, regardless of species, they're going to call you and ask you if you would like to participate in that population reduction. And we've seen in years past, uh, this was probably six or eight years ago, they had a little herd of elk in a particular spot in New Mexico that was pretty far off the grid. They called up a bunch of people, and they all went in there and shot 350 to 400-inch bulls in a place that had never been hunted before. Um, Nowadays, uh, a more popular one is you see like an Ibex nanny uh, hunt reduction. So there's really no rhyme or reason to it. And the, the fact that you're going to retain the ability to say yes or no is the reason you should put yes to that because who knows? It could be something amazing, and at least you got the phone call and the option to choose. So once you submit the application, they're going to charge you the hunting license, the application fee, and all the money up front for whatever permit you apply for. They're going to go through the whole draw process looking at the first three choices. And then from there, if you're unsuccessful, the money's going to be refunded back to your card. Um, the dates, uh, the, the 
the draw is set to uh, to complete on April 29th this year. The last couple of years, we've actually seen it come a little bit early. So as far as tying the money up, um, typically we're going to be, uh, the last few years, it's been under 30 days. I tell guys to plan on closer to 45 days, but even at that point, it's still one of the faster turnarounds. So it's not like some states, like a Wyoming, that you could end up tying that money up for months, uh, multiple months. It, it's a really fast and you get the money back. And at that point, if you're putting it on your own credit card, it really becomes a $13 no harm, no foul situation. Um, and you are in on some of the better odds in the, in the country, especially for some of the sheep-type species uh, and once-in-a-lifetime stuff. That's a good overview. Um, why don't we dive straight into talking about, uh, let's do sheep, deer, and elk uh, first. So let's talk about sheep, talk about some of the units, talk about the uniqueness of being able to hunt Rockies and hunt deserts, and kind of go through your uh, New Mexico sheep spiel. Perfect. So uh, the biggest change to call out this year to the sheep stuff in New Mexico, Jay, was that uh, they, they, we didn't lose any permits, which is great, um, but what we did uh, lose was that there is no longer uh, a youth hunt scheduled for desert bighorns uh, this year. Um, so same hunt still exists, it's just uh, for a, an adult. So there isn't a, a youth selection um, for the deserts. There is still one for the Rockies, but so, you know, New Mexico, how it works with the, uh, with the sheep is this. There wasn't enough permits uh, to actually have any real quota wrapped around sheep in New Mexico. So 84% of the tags go to residents. No, excuse me, 86% of the tags go to residents. 10% go to, no, I said it right the first time. Uh -huh. 84. 84. <laughs> Sorry. Because um, it's 16, right? Yeah. 16 so, is there. Okay. Yep, so 84% of the tags go to residents, 10% go to what is a guided pool, and 6% go to non-residents who would like to retain their option about going with a guide or not. And so because there wasn't enough permits in any one of these hunt codes to suffice those quotas, what they've done is they put all sheep into one category and one application. And so when you're applying for sheep in New Mexico, different than any of the other species, you're going to choose the species as, as a first choice, and then you're going to be able to list three units under each of those species. So uh, outside of if you happen to have already drawn a desert bighorn in New Mexico and or you already have one somewhere else, desert bighorn's probably the, the, the go-to as your first choice because it's harder in the country to draw a desert bighorn than it is a rocky. So if we started with desert bighorn, then our train of thought, Jay, is that you could, if you wanted to, apply for, say, there's two hunts on the Frog Cristobals, which is, a, is one of Ted Turner's properties here in central New Mexico. Um, you get full access to the property. Um, Jason and myself have actually been on there. It's a great sheep hunt. They're not killing as big a rams there as they are in some other areas of New Mexico. But if you select those two hunts, you're only trying to draw one permit on each of those selections. So if we grab one other hunt, maybe it's the, the, the Ladrones up in Unit 13 and 17, which has a track record for some very big rams in New Mexico, there's, a, there's two uh, permits available in that. So with that selection, we've only tried to draw four different, different permits. But if we go a different direction and we look at, like, the Caballos, which has one of the higher densities of sheep on the, in the state, um, it's just off the side of that private property there on the Frog Cristobal. It doesn't have a track record for the biggest rams in New Mexico, but on the early hunt there, they're issuing four permits. And then on the late hunt in December, they're issuing three permits. And if we grab another selection, like maybe one of the San Andreas uh, on White Sands, Mr. Range, or the Hatchets or Coloncillos that have three, all of a sudden we put in for 10 different sheep tags and kept our name in the, in the hat longer. We could do the same thing for Rockies 
and uh, and kind of apples to oranges here. So you could, if you if you did it correctly, you could end up putting in for only seven sheep permits. And if you were the eighth applicant to come out of the hat in New Mexico, it would not be likely, but you could in fact not get drawn because all of the seven permits that you applied for could in fact be gone. Versus if we go the other direction and we put in for the most number of permits and, and we could end up putting in for 21 different chances. And again, it would be unlikely, but if you were the 21st person to come out, you you would still draw and, and because there would still be a tag available and more likely you could be as far back as the 30th person to come out of the hat and still have a very real cracker. The odds would say you have a much more higher probability of, of drawing even if you were the 30th person to come out of the hat. So applying for the most permits you can is really an overall message that we that we talk to guys about a lot here. But definitely, it's it's very uh, it, it's a lot more exaggerated on the sheet because there is so few, and there is chances to put in for only one particular permit on any given um, hunt code. So, um, you know, summing up sheep real quick, Jay, uh, on the desert bighorns. If you're looking for the very best sheep in the state right now, I, I guess it would be a coin toss for me. On, on either of the, the White Sands Missile Range, the San Andreas Mountains, um, there's still some, um, most guys are having a crack at a Boone and Crockett ram on either of the early or the late hunt there. The Hatchets has been producing some awfully big rams. The Pelham Seals always has a couple big rams. And the Ladrones. Like, there really isn't a bad one in New Mexico, but it would be worth calling out that the Caballos and the Frog Cristobals, um, probably half the rams, uh, each year on, on the on the Caballos are going to be booked and half will just miss it. The Frog Cristobals, I don't know if there's only been maybe one or two rams over the years that have actually made Boone and Crockett on the Frog Cristobals, but lots of mid-160s. So still really solid rams, just not quite as big as some of the, the giants coming off of the Hatchets, the San Andreas, and, you know, the, the, other, the other units. As we look at the, the Rockies, and kind of a where to apply situation. You know, the biggest population of sheep in the state is the Pecos. So we're trying to have the best odds to not put in for the early hunt with five tags and the and the later hunt with four tags as our first two rocky choices is probably a mistake. Um, and then pick another unit that has two uh, two permits. Um, quality rams, <coughs> there really isn't a bad hunt again in the state. Um, Every single unit in the state capable of producing a 170-plus-inch ram. But if we were going to look at where's the biggest rams coming out of, um, I would say right now probably the Pecos and then the Dry Cimarron, which is a is one you need to be careful with. Um, that in, very much of that entire unit is private property in Unit 58, the Dry Cimarron. Plan on having some additional money invested in that hunt once the, the hunt happens and then the season dates are about six months long the the rams in that that unit really move in and out between colorado and uh um and new mexico so be a little careful there but really anywhere the rio grand gorge the latiers wheeler peak even the the kind of the obscure unit that's over by arizona in the san francisco river area um all of these places have 170 to 180 type rams coming out of them uh, periodically. So um, it's definitely, uh, again, kind of recapping, apply for the most tags you can. Unless you've got a bead on some specific ram and you really want to go hunt him, then by all means put in for one of those lower, uh, the, the, the permits or the hunts that only have one permit on them. But uh, the best way to apply is definitely for the most permits. Good stuff. Um, all right, let's talk about deer and the fact that, you know, they have coos deer as well as mule deer, as well as I believe you guys are actually getting uh, the regular whitetails as well. Um, I'm not sure if there's hunts for those yet or what, but um, talk about the deer in New Mexico. 
Okay, Jay. Um, yeah, you're, you're correct about the whitetails. We are actually seeing quite a good population of eastern whitetails now moving in on the, on the eastern side of the state. Um, we do have three deer species in New Mexico. Um, New Mexico is not really known for trophy deer, but there are some 200-inch deer killed every year in New Mexico. Um, we, um, let's just take them species by species if that works for you, Jay. Sure. So our, our best hunts in New Mexico are going to be in the northwest corner, which is your 2B, 2C, 5, um, those type of areas. That's kind of around the real famous Hickory Reservation on all sides of it. Um, limited tags, pretty high quality, um, good season dates for the most part, but pretty tough to draw. Again, following the same, um, same path Jordan you'd want to try and pick hunts that have the most tags if you're, if you're just trying to get a tag versus if you have a specific outfit or a specific area, then you maybe want to hone that down a little bit. And then that's your 2B, 2C, 5A, 5B. Those are probably the four best mule deer um, units in the state. If you're just looking for a deer hunt, you just want to go deer hunting and you're an archer, New Mexico now with the September bow hunts has really opened up a lot of hunting opportunities when they split the bow hunt. Last year they split the bow hunt into a September and a January. It used to all be compiled, and there's some pretty good draw odds in those September archery hunts throughout the state, and there's some really good hunting to be done in those bow-only September hunts. That, that's a new addition, right? That was new last year, yeah. Okay. Um, Were there some decent bucks shot? There were, we, and again, high draw odds, and there were some decent bucks, even out of those, you know, unit two and five, down in 17, uh, 13, I saw some good bucks come out of 21, uh, 16 in the Gila, there were some good bucks taken, that, that opening up, I think a lot of people before last year just ignored that September hunt, because everybody wants to hunt in the rut, so they wouldn't even go in September, and they just hold out for the January rut hunt. But when they broke it into two hunt codes, that forced some guys to actually go and hunt and put some boots on the ground in September, and I think the results were pretty pretty promising. And it's worth pointing out, too, Jay, that in New Mexico, especially in the southern half of the state, as you would see in, in Arizona, that th those will be velvet mule deer that time of year. You know, as it's far enough south. I mean, these bucks aren't stripping velvet for for a little bit later into September, and so sure. you've got them still in their summer patterns. They're they're not bedding in that thick stuff, and it, it is a good hunt. Okay, good to know. What about the coos deer in New Mexico? So all, all of our coos deer hunting is on the border, mostly on the border, all, all on the border with Arizona. Um, me and Jordan argue about which the best unit is. I think it's 27, which would be the what we call the boot heel of New Mexico. It's that bottom corner that actually literally looks like a boot heel. Um, 27 shares a border with Arizona and shares a border with Mexico. Um, the state record has come out of 27. Um, I think it's a hunt that you can consistently kill a deer over 100 inches. Um, it does have a problem with illegals, as you're familiar with, Jay. You need to be prepared and aware of the fact that you will more than likely encounter illegals, and oftentimes border patrols also will, can and will interfere with your hunting. Um, as long as you're okay and prepared for that, it, it's really not an issue, but it is right on the Mexican border, and that does present its own list of issues. Uh, second unit would be probably, favorite would be 23 in the boroughs, which is a kind of a separate set-out hunting area that they've kind of managed for coos deer throughout the years. Um, it's, it's, it's also good, 100-inch deer, pretty consistently. Um, these, these units also have the, the uh, bow hunt and broken out in September. Again, it, I think it was something that really got looked over, but as guys are starting to hunt those hunts and they're learning how to sit water and, you know, really take advantage of that September bow hunt when it's still 100 degrees, um, that, that, that is an option, and they're, they're, the draws are quite high in those bow, early bow hunts. Um, 23 outside the boroughs would probably be my third choice. Uh, more tags, more area, but not quite as the same deer density that you see in, inside the boroughs or in 27. And outside of those two units, it, it starts to get a little, little more spread apart. You've got 26, you've got 21, 
you've got 22. And those are more what we, we consider here the fringe units where, yes, there are coos deer, but you've got to really know specifics. You've got to know what you're doing and have scouted and learned an area. But the draws increase as you go into those more fringe-type units. Okay, and um, just to point out, too, with the deer is you – it's kind of like Arizona. You can't apply for coos deer and mule deer separately. It's all a deer application, but you can mix within coos and within um, mule deer on your application, right? Correct, yeah. You only get one deer application, but you can mix and match any hunt codes throughout the state that you want, regardless of whether it's coos, whitetail, or eastern whitetail, or mule deer. You can mix and match that however you want. And my deer, my personal deer application usually is a mixture like that. And the eastern whitetail, are there hunts offered for them as well? There are. Um, they're on the eastern side of the state. 58 is probably the most solid unit. 34 and 58 are probably the most two most solid units for if you wanted to hunt an eastern whitetail. Um, there are two hunts. They've they've put them in 58. There's two hunts. They've put them in the rut. They're um, is a youth option and an adult option. They both have they have 10 and 15 tags respectively, and they're December 5th to the 9th and 12th to the 16th. So that seems late if, for you know most of your Western big game hunters. That seems really late, but that in New Mexico, that's pretty much right in the whitetail rut in that area. Um, and those are rifle hunts also. There's also a hunt in 59, which is the unit south of 58, that is Eastern whitetail only. And then 34 has whitetails, but they don't have a specific they don't have a specific hunt code for the eastern whitetails. There, you would just have to draw the regular fork antler deer. And then on in 41 and 42, there's also a, a eastern whitetail that's on the Texas border, and that's a lot of agricultural stuff in there. And they have eastern whitetail only hunt codes in 41 and 42, and that's more your typical um, what. Most people think that's agricultural cropland with whitetails like a lot of other states. They've really moved into some of that ag stuff in 41 and 42. Okay, good stuff. Um, let's talk about elk. Perfect. So, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, I, that I think we should have mentioned just a minute ago uh, as we got started, Jay, isn't necessarily a new law in New Mexico, but more of a new interpretation of an existing law um, that's really kind of thrown a, a wrench into a few things here. Uh, and, and at least, especially for your listeners, they're going to want to be aware of this. And what, what that new interpretation is, is what we, we call the roundup uh, rule in New Mexico. And what, what this boils down to is that because of those percentages, um, that existed before, if, uh, if whatever number of, uh, of permits they were issuing um, added up to at least 0.5 on the math then, uh, of whether it was the guided pool or, or the unguided pool, uh, then you they would round up and issue an additional tag that may not have actually been listed in the actual proclamation. So what this what this means moving forward without talking about what it used to mean is this. Um, a, a hunt code has to have at least 10 permits available for there to be a guided pool permit to exist. This is going to be uh, particularly affecting uh, some of the youth hunt codes and, and then some things like the, the, uh, the whitetail that Jason was just mentioning. Um, it has a, an effect on really everything in the state, but it's most more dramatic uh, in the antelope, the, the, the deer, and, and a few elk codes here and there. So it has to have at least 10 permits to be for there to, uh, to have a guided pool permit exist, and there needs to be at least 17 permits in that hunt code for there to be a non-resident uh, permit to exist. So uh, prior to that, it used to be five and 10, but nowadays, so as you're applying, ensure that you at least have 10. For, if you're in the guided pool, 17 if you're in the non-resident pool. And if you're putting in for a party application, you know, again, you just have to double all of that. They, it, they never round up anymore. It has to land on a whole number or there won't be a permit available. Um, so that, that is a, a bit of a change, and it limits what we can apply for a little bit. 
um, here and there in a few different places. But kind of m moving along with the elk, um, you know, New Mexico as a general rule, Jay, I, I say this all, all the time, like I think it, it ends up in the conversation a lot of times with, uh, with Utah, Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico as, as, as kind of the big elk states. And, and definitely um, it, it, it's a very deserving place for New Mexico to be in that list of, of states, but it's also worth calling out that we don't necessarily have one or two shining stars like some of these other, other states do. We don't have a Unit 23 that just seems like it produces incredibly in Arizona year over year. Uh, or a San Juan or a Boulder like Utah has, uh, and some of these types of situations. But for the lack of not having a shining star, you could throw a dart at New Mexico, and you'll, the likelihood of hitting uh, uh, an elk unit that produces 350-plus bulls is very, very high. We may not produce as many 380-plus bulls as some of these other states, but if guys are looking for very solid elk hunting, um, it doesn't matter whether you're in the in the the northern half of the state, the southern half, or or what I call the desert units, you can you can find some some really solid animals, and there is anomalies that happen every year in all sorts of places. So, you know, actually, kind of referring back to or referring to, um, we just finished up the the deer and the elk uh, strategy article for GoHunt.com. Um, it should be up on their website in the next day or two. Um, they're behind the curve because I was behind the curve, and, and they're going to get that stuff uh, up here shortly. They've already done the sheep and antelope, and then I believe yesterday they posted the exotics. But one of the concepts of elk that I talked about is that you can really break it down into three areas or three kind of concepts in, in New Mexico. And what that is is you kind of have the northern half of the state that probably has the highest elk density in the state, or it does have the highest elk density in the state. And because of that, just like other states, they're managing for more of an opportunity to go hunting up in that part of the state. And so outside of the fact that there is some very big private ranches up in there that have some older age class bulls, and that kind of creates an opportunity for some anomaly to happen overall, the age class of the elk you're going to find up in that part of the state isn't quite the same age class as you're going to find uh, in, say, the, the Gila or the Sacramentos or the surrounding units there. But because they're issuing more tags, there is a higher probability of drawing. The, the second kind of area of the state would be the Gila and the Sacramentos as kind of two main focal points in the central, uh, eastern, and, and center part of the state. These units may not have the elk density that the northern units have, but the state is managing accordingly, and the probability of, of a 330-plus of a bull in any of these units are, uh, are, are much higher than you're going to find up north, but they also get a lot of attention, so they end up being a little bit harder to draw year in and year out, whether you're in the guided pool or non-resident or, or anywhere. Uh, the third kind of segregation of how to break down air, uh, New Mexico is going to be that like what I would call the more arid regions of the state. So you've got like these these units that are primarily desert and or even in the northern uh, half of the or northeastern part of the state that are a little bit more prairie. Um, very low elk density in all of these areas. Uh, they're not issuing many tags but very strong chance that something exceptional. You could go days in some of these areas without actually seeing an elk, but at the end of the day, uh, when you look at bull for bull coming out of these areas, it can be really exciting. I mean, for guys who've already killed a bunch of elk and are looking uh, to do something more than just kill an elk, and it's okay that you're not seeing multiple elk per day, it really is a, a way to chase the odds and not give up quality. You're just going to have a, a rougher hunt to, to combat with, but the age class you're looking for in a lot of these more arid desert regions of the state and or even up in the northern, northeastern part of the state have exceptional quality for the lack of overall elk that they have. So as we try and plan a strategy around applying for New Mexico, either we default to the best units or the best hunts in the state, however we that to be weapon selection, all of that type of stuff, 
and we kind of roll with what the normal thought process is with hunts in the Sacramento Mountains or hunts in the Gila, or because they're going to look at all three choices, we can definitely still swing for the fence on one of these types of hunts. Meanwhile, either backing it up with uh, areas of the state that have a higher density of elk and a, and, and a lower age class or a lower density with a chance that something special happening and we can really be aggressive and hunt New Mexico a lot more consistently and, and, and see our name come out of the hat a, a lot more often. Um, so as we kind of jump into units and where to apply, where not to apply, you know, like I say, any of the 16s, 15, 13, 17, all of these units have long track records of 350-plus bulls. If we move over into the Sacramento's, uh, 34 uh, is probably the shining star on that side of the state, but 36 and 37 both will produce very big bulls, especially on a year like this year. We've got some serious moisture happening right now uh, that we don't normally see this time of year, and, and it's really shaping up to be an excellent year. Um, if we're just looking for opportunity, again, uh, higher elk densities, uh, you know, 51, 52, uh, and really anywhere up in that northern part of the, the, the state is going to have a higher elk density. And as we look into the more arid regions, 30, 10, 12, um, you know, 38 uh, can definitely creep in there. Not my favorite, but uh, any given year, all of these units definitely have uh, a chance of something special happening. Yeah, it's definitely one of those states that's, you know, every year produces, well, maybe not in 18 because of the severe drought, but, I mean, almost every year produces really, really solid bulls and good opportunity hunting, um, you know, especially in that 300 to 330 class bulls. Um, you know, pretty much statewide with, you know, like you said, some of the units obviously producing much better. But, I mean, it seems like some of those opportunity units up north every once in a while will get a really good bull as well. So, you know, I think some of that's, you know, maybe animals coming off of reservations or coming off of private land, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that, I think that it's exactly why. Uh, you know, New Mexico, inherently, we need more acres uh, per cow to raise cattle, and so we see big ranches. Um, and, and when you have big stretches of dirt like that, you know, and, and the private sector kind of stepping in and uh, managing as they see fit with their own personal herds, uh, more often than not, that's a recipe for success, and you see some, you know, exciting age class coming out of those uh, out of those areas for sure. You know, and the one thing I would tell guys uh, too, Jay, is just a little bit of a 10,000-foot view when it comes to New Mexico. I think uh, I, I have a lot of guys that, that know what's going on here. They're excited, and they don't miss the New Mexico draw for anything. And I also have guys that I get on the phone with that the random aspect of it is a real deterrent. And, and one of the things I would call out is just even, even here at the draw on, on a small scale like you know, the wheels are on fire, Jay. We're growing like crazy, and we have a, a whole lot more going on this year than we did last year. But just to put it in context, like year one that we existed and we got a full application season in, you know, when the smoke cleared and head-to-head -head with all these different states, Wyoming and, I, and, and Colorado, right, more often than not, that's a decision to go hunting. So I'm going to kind of throw those to the side because of the way that preference point works in both of those states. But if we're talking more luck-driven places like Utah, uh, Arizona, Nevada, and then throwing New Mexico in there, last year with the, the people that we applied, I want to say uh, we drew about four or six guys in Arizona last year. We, we did not draw any Nevada. We did not draw any Utah. Uh, we're going to this year with the number of guys that we had in. But, but last year didn't draw a tag for elk in either of those states. And in, in New Mexico, we drew 28 elk tags. So if guys are, like, trying to understand how different this system is compared to getting in on those point systems that are so mature, like, that is a very clear message. Like, that's how many guys draw. If Get your sure. name in the hat. Equal odds is the best odds. And, and the way New Mexico has it set up with three choices, if you're looking to elk hunt particularly – 
and you're ready to go as soon as possible, you're crazy not to be applying for New Mexico. It's just out, you know, the, the number of permits that are issued every year is way exciting compared to states like Arizona that have an up to 10% rule. There's a lot of, of tags getting issued for non-residents in New Mexico. For sure. Um, guys, I want to take a quick second here and thank the sponsors of the podcast. First, I want to thank the listeners, the loyal supporters of this podcast. And then I want to thank the sponsors, GoHunt.com. It's been a great sponsor from the very beginning. I want to encourage you guys, like uh, Jordan said, he <coughs> wrote a strategy article for GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, to be an Insider member, all you have to do is go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You sign up, you get a $50 GoHunt gift card just for signing up. I also want to thank Cody over there at GoHunt. Uh, he's the optics manager. If you guys are looking for any binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, tripods, anything to do with optics, anything to do with glassing, uh, give him a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also text or call him on his cell phone uh, at 602-399-3699 or email at optics at GoHunt.com. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Kuyu is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. You can go to Kuyu.com. That's K-U-I-U.com to find out more information. They're a direct consumer model uh, company, so you can actually just order right on the website. It's the only place you can get Kuyu gear. Go to Kuyu.com. Uh, I also want to thank Phonescope. Use the J. Scott. 20 promo code that's going to save you 10% there at phonescope.com. Onyxmaps.com, use the JSCOT20 promo code that's going to save you 20%. Onyx is the mapping program that I use on my uh, computer, on my desktop, as well as on my phone. I use it for my hunting, my fishing, my real estate business. It's a gr got a great public-private land overlay. It, you can toggle back and forth between topo, uh, aerial, and they also have a hybrid mode. Uh, it has a tracking, so you can track yourself like a breadcrumb, see where you've been, see where you're going, that will save on your map. Uh, go to onyxmaps.com, use the JSCOT20 promo code. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Apex Ammunition. Uh, Apex Ammunition is the TSS, the Tungsten Super Shot. Uh, that is the shot that I'm going to be using this year on my Gould's Turkey Hunts down in Mexico. Uh, the general theme behind that is you're shooting much smaller uh, tungsten pellets, if you will. Uh, a lot of times they're 7, 8, and 9 shot, uh, and it's a heavier, more dense pattern, uh, and it's just knocking these birds off their feet. I know waterfowlers are having great success with it, as well as predator hunts. Go to apexmunition.com to find out more. Guys, um, you also have exotics in New Mexico. If you'd briefly talk about the different options for exotics there. Perfect. Yeah, and then we'll finish up with antelope real quick too, Jay, at the end of the exotics. So exotics, um, you know, really there's three specific ones in New Mexico, Jay. The oryx, the what we call barbary sheep or audad, and then the ibex. So, um you know, really the shining star right now is probably a toss-up between the Audad and the Oryx. But uh, jumping into the Oryx, what's going on there, Jay, is, uh, you know, there isn't uh, another once-in-a-lifetime type species in the country issuing more permits than how much, how many permits are being issued for Oryx in New Mexico. And, and if we start adding in the stuff that's not necessarily once-in-a-lifetime, it's actually even way, way higher. So the Oryx hunts in New Mexico, uh, how those work for the once-in-a-lifetime permits is you're going to be hunting uh, different areas of White Sands Missile Range. So White Sands Missile Range is about 100 miles long by 50 to 60 miles wide. And when you're in a hunt area, you're getting to hunt probably a third of that um, in any of these given weekends. And so they start doing their once-in-a-lifetime hunt about the middle of September this coming year, and they're going to go all the way through the end of February. Um, there ends up being uh, a total of about 10 hunts, I believe, this year. Yeah, 10, 10 hunts. Uh, one of those is actually 
uh, set aside for mobility impaired hunters specifically, as well as the youth hunt is happening on the same weekend. So if you've got youth hunters, um, that's not actually a once in a lifetime permit. They could get really lucky and draw that multiple times up until they're 18 years old. And, and it, and it wouldn't count as, as their once in a lifetime permit. So, uh, 65 permits on each of those hunts are available. How, what to expect when you draw one of those is there's going to be 65 once in a lifetime hunters. There's going to be five Iraq or Afghanistan returning veterans on that hunt. And there's going to be 15 guys that are there that uh, are specifically looking to kill a broken horn oryx. They've got to, they're required to shoot something that has at least 25% of one horn missing. Um, and so plan on there being about 85 guys on the range while you're there. Um, that being said, it is never a problem. I haven't found, I've hunted out there, I don't know how many times now. And, you know, you're all kind of consolidated as you go through the gate, but within 30 minutes to an hour as things get started, you really don't feel much hunting pressure from one place or the other. Um, if you do, it's just a coincidence. It, it really is a lot of dirt, uh, and there's a lot of oryx out there um, on range right now. Actually, in the whole state of New Mexico, I would say the population's on a big upswing. Uh, there's as many oryx in, in New Mexico as there ever has been. They don't do official counts, Jay, uh, for the exotics in New Mexico. Essentially, they're entirely managed based on what the hunt reports are. So if everybody's putting five uh, as uh, a five-star hunt uh, on their harvest reports, then and that happens for long enough, then the state will increase the number of permits that they're issuing. If enough people uh, give it a one or a two-star for long enough, then they'll decrease the number of permits or hunts that they're issuing. And uh, so don't have an exact number. There's lots of numbers that get thrown around out there, but no one actually knows for sure. But all I can tell you is, Comparing it to back, uh, say, 2012, 2013, it sure feels like there's twice as many orcs out there as there ever has been. And, and really where that's the most, uh, where you notice that the most is also on another opportunity that's not once in a lifetime called the off-range hunt. So off-range is offered every single month of the year except for April and May and they're giving 100 permits a year per month on those hunts, and the season dates, instead of being just a weekend like they are on, on White Sands, are an entire month. So every single month has 20 permits set aside specifically for youth hunters, and every month has 80 permits for the adults. Um, if you're just looking to hunt an oryx, uh, the best odds you're going to find will be on the, the off-range hunts that are happening right now. And the biggest difference is just sheer number of animals uh, that, you, that you're going to see while you're out there. Uh, any given day on-range, you can see anywhere from 50 to 300 oryx a day. Um, meanwhile, if you see 10 to 15 a day on an off-range hunt, that's a fantastic day of off-range hunting. You could definitely have days where you don't see any oryx off range but if a guy plans a five six day hunt nowadays uh and you're hunting all the blm and state land that are surrounding the white sands missile range um there there's a pretty good chance you're going to to run into some oryx and and have a chance to be successful um the same was not true even five and six years ago we're really seeing a surge in that population so the only other opportunity that exists if you're looking for more of an on-range experience and maybe you already have drawn a once-in-a-lifetime permit and you want to go hunt uh, something similar is Unit 28, the McGregor Range. That is under Fort Bliss control instead of White Sands Missile Range. And they give 25 civilian permits twice a year and 25 military-only permits twice a year. And again, very similar experience as White Sands a chance at a big oryx, and if you've drawn a once-in-a-lifetime and you want to go back um, but you don't want to mess around with the off-range stuff, McGregor is a great fit, um, and, and there's some fantastic oryx hunting out there as well. Um, moving right along, because I know we're getting close on, uh, on time, the, uh, the ODAD 
the ADAD really are one of the more exciting things happening in New Mexico right now. Um, now is really the time to jump in and be hunting those. Uh, I think the populations are as high as they've ever been, and we have some phenomenal age class, Jay. Um, the, if you're looking for a DIY-type hunt, uh, Unit 2930 definitely stick out because of all the public lands. But with Onyx maps, uh, you can definitely navigate 32, 34, 36, and 37 uh, very well, and there's plenty of, uh, of Barbary sheep in either of those two hunt choices. Um, the age class of the rams is fantastic. We're killing some absolute bomber rams every year in each of the different hunts that are listed throughout. They did do a rather large increase in the number of permits last year, but they spread it out instead of having 600 permits in one month of hunting. They've, they've really spread that out. So they're increasing the number of permits, but they're, the hunter experience while you're on the mountain is a lot better because there's only up to 250 total hunters out there at a time instead of 600. Um, if you're looking for more of a slam dunk, real turnkey, in and out experience, the again, Fort Bliss, Unit 28, McGregor Range has 20 permits for civilians, 20 permits for military, and has a track record as well of producing some awfully big rams. So um, if you're looking to check the box on Barbary sheep, whether you're going unguided or guided, the odds are quite good. And uh, even in the guided hunt, um, it, it really is the best value for uh, a nice ram anywhere in the country right now is to draw one of these, these hunts in New Mexico. Um, the Ibex, you know, Ibex is kind of a, a, a rough one right now, to be honest, uh, Jay. Um, for multiple years now, they've been very aggressively reducing the population of Ibex on the Florida Mountains. Um, there is scheduled to be another four nanny specific or immature ibex hunt uh set for this year with 75 permits on each of those different experiences so they're planning on taking or trying to take another 300 total ibex off of the mountain with those nanny permits they've been doing that now for a number of years and it really has had a dramatic effect on the quality of billies that are on the mountain as, far, as well as just the sheer number of ibex in total that you're going to see while you're there. So um, if the ibex is a species of interest and the, the experience is, is maybe the most important part of it, there's still lots of that, uh, you know, mid-30s uh, and high-30s type of ibex left on the mountain, but it's getting harder and harder to kill a 40-plus-inch billy and the days of 45 to 50-inch billies truly are over. There just doesn't seem to be any on, on the mountain at all. So it's still one of the most amazing mountain hunting experiences that is in the country. It's just, you know, a little bit of buyer beware. It, it, it was the, the days of those giants just isn't here anymore. Hopefully enough people put ones and twos on their hunt experience and their hunt reports each year that we can kind of slow down the bloodbath that's been happening over there for about five, six years now and, and maybe see a rebound in the population and the, the age class of the billies that exist on the Floridas right now. Guys, I've got a question, a couple questions here from Instagram followers asking about um, just some random questions so you guys field a few of these. Uh, it's how does... Uh, unit 51 first rifle hunt stack up. What should I not pass on? Is that, elk? Know, for, is that for elk? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. You know, that, that first rifle hunt this year, you know, everything happening with those first rifle hunts, everything shifted back a little bit in the calendar. They're, the starting date's a little bit further back into October than it was uh, even last year. Um, you know, I, I'm a guy that feels like a unit 51, um, you see a 300-inch bull opening day first light, that's definitely a bull you're probably going to want to get pretty serious about. That's just what happens to be in that part of the state. If you came out of there with a 320, 330-class bull, it really wouldn't surprise me that much. It's just not, it doesn't have quite the track record for, for bulls of that caliber. It's a great hunt. I'm just a little nervous that we're going to be 
uh, a little bit past the bugle, and we're really going to be in a tough time of year on October 10 through 14, where as those bulls start pulling off the cows, you know, there's not a lot of consistency there. You better kill him when you see him because uh, he could be 10 miles from where you saw him uh, the first time. Okay. Got another question here. Mid-tier New Mexico elk units with better draw odds for non-residents. What do you think? I would say, like, um, you know, a hunt that I that I kind of lean on a little bit in, in those t types of situations, Jay, is probably going to be, like, a unit 23. You know, definitely a, a lower elk density, even a 21A, 21B, all three of those right in there probably have a little lower elk density, a little tougher to, to find. But, you know, if you do find bulls, they're going to be good bulls. There's a chance at a giant and uh, definitely have a little better odds. If I was looking other, you know, more of a chance to hunt uh, more regularly, I'm probably going to look up towards like a 60, 51, 52 uh, in the northern half of the state. A lot less likely to kill a big bull in that part of the state, but better odds and, and a good hunt when, when you draw it. Okay. Got a question here. Turkey hunting in New Mexico, what units do you think are best? So the turkey hunting in New Mexico is good in a lot of places, Jay. Uh, for a guy coming from out of state, I would assume, I would tend to lead them toward a couple of places, either the Sacramento's or the Gila. The Sacramento's would be unit 34, 36. Uh, 34 in particular, lots of forest land, lots of turkeys. I mean, you it just pick a spot on the map and go up a canyon that'll have water in it and there'll be turkeys in it. Um, the Gila, the same way, you know, your 16C, 16A, 23, that, that's all really, really good. Just, you know, typical turkey hunting, western turkey hunting, get up high, listen, call, locate in the evening type stuff. But that's where I would push an out-of-stater is to focus on those units. Uh, let's see. I'd like to hear more about New Mexico Opportunity Elk units rather than the legendary units. I think we covered that pretty good today. Um, I think you guys covered a bunch of those units. Uh, is there any other units out there that you would say, you know, this is definitely an opportunity unit but might be a sleeper? I told you a sleeper last year on your podcast, and I put in for it, and one of your one of your listeners drew the tag I was talking about. <laughs> no more sleepers yeah. called Jason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, any, it, I guess even a more all-encompassing is these lower elevation stuff, 10, 12, you know, uh, 47, 50, uh, 58, um, the uh, unit 30, all of these have elk in them. It's it, They're not fun hunts, Jay. They're not like go out there and just pick what bull you want to hunt. But for guys that are looking for age class, you know, there is some serious age class in a lot of these units that uh, definitely fly a lot further under the radar for sure. Okay. Um, any, it's another question. Any opinion on New Mexico 2A, 2C for archery elk? You know, we've, it's a it's a tough hunt. Again, low elk density, um, hard to find the age class. But I'll tell you, there's some guys up in that part of the state that are figuring it out right now, and they're killing elk. They are, you know, maybe more than there ever has been. So if you go in kind of knowing that you're there to kill an elk versus trying to kill kill a big bull, I think you can have a, a real positive experience. You know, one of the things about these areas that don't have many elk in them. Um, is especially if, if you're in anywhere near the rut, I mean, the probability of being able to call that bull in is so much higher in those areas versus these high-density areas and high-traffic areas and, and the more famous stuff. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm slowly becoming a bigger fan of what's going on up in, in, in the two units. Okay, good stuff. Guys, it's awesome having you on the podcast. I want to end by letting you let listeners know how they can reach out to you and Congratulations with the success of your business and the growth of the draw um, as a company. And uh, it was great seeing you guys in Salt Lake. Yeah, we sure appreciate it, Jay. No, I, um, you know, just kind of wrapping it all up, uh, we, are, we appreciate it. We're excited about this year. We're excited about uh, some of the products and things we're offering, guys. So 
Yeah, if uh, any of your listeners uh, have any one-off questions, they can find us on at We Are The Draw. You can send a direct message to us or give us a call at 575-222-1234. I will apologize publicly on your podcast that the phone is ringing like crazy, and and I will get to every voicemail and call, um, but uh, I, I won't uh, lie. It's been difficult the last few weeks. It, there, there's a huge volume. So if you're not getting the answer from a voicemail, definitely, like, however you can get us. The direct messages on Instagram, uh, Facebook, whatever, whatever you can, but we want to make sure we take care of you. So uh, be relentless this time of year, and we will make sure you get, get squared away. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks, thanks as always, and God bless, okay? All right, thanks, thanks Jay. Jay.